Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bloomberg Intelligence Tech Disruptors Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Tracy, who is the Chief Security Officer of Everbridge, and talk about the space that they are disrupting. So without any delay, let me introduce Tracy to you. And uh, Tracy, can you please start with uh, giving us a brief history of the company and the various areas it is disrupting? Sure, absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having us. We call ourselves a 9-12 company because we started right after 9-11. And the reason that we formed the organization is because we noticed that there was no mass communications capability, which was actually evidenced by the attacks on 9-11. Some subsequent to that, the organization was founded and we created, we started off as a mass notification company where organizations could quickly notify their employees about disruptive events so that they would be well-informed. As new issues arose, the company rose to to, to each of those challenges and expanded our offering to the point where we have become an organization that enables resilience, which is sort of a generic statement in and of itself. But we do that by using technology and using a SaaS platform for customers that include corporate customers as well as entire countries. And the idea here is to leverage technology in a way that allows you to recover quickly from a disruption. And the the beauty of it is the way we've designed the company is it is risk and threat agnostic, which means it's not about cyber or it's not about terrorism or it's not about weather. It's about all disruptions and leveraging technology to identify those disruptions, to sort of visualize those disruptions and recover from them quickly. And by doing that, what it does is it enables organizations to return to revenue, which is kind of the whole journey that we're on as an organization. You know, we have a tagline that says we, we keep people safe and keep businesses running. And we do that by ensuring they enable a resilient posture that includes people resilience, facilities resilience, technology resilience, and organizational resilience that includes everything that is important to the organization. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. Everything else is how we do it. So Tracy, from that point of view, this is very much similar to, I would say, you know, that everybody needs an antivirus or everybody needs a, you know, fire escape plan. But you know, when you look at your end markets and you said, you know, almost everybody in the world would reach or would need it, you know, how penetrated are you or what are some of the areas that you still have to go out and conquer just in terms of reach? So a little bit of context. We started as a U.S. company, right? So we focused on the U.S. for a long time. We've now expanded into a global organization with offices all over the world. Part of that, part of the challenge associated with that is branded reputation and market availability. So what we've done is actually put together a program where we, we look at the, at the world regionally. So, for example, our office in Singapore is, is staffed by Singaporeans because that's, where the, what, that's what they're expecting. So building the capabilities in each of the regions has allowed us to identify emerging needs, risks, and vulnerabilities. I will tell you that we are very strong with the chief security officer community around the world because those are the, those are the entities in each organization that is responsible for recovery from disruption. Now, I, I say that with a bit of a caveat because when we think about CISOs and their responsibility from information technology, the ideal platform is one where the CISO and the CSO are partners. 
And so this technology is able to be leveraged by both sides of the house to recover quickly. So from a CISO's perspective, you may want to use the technology for IT alerting. You know, so you are aware of a disruption or a slowdown in your system. It could be nothing more than that, that legacy or a, a latency issue, but it might actually indicate something more nefarious. So the faster that you know about that, the faster you can get people to address that issue and either prevent it from manifesting or recover quickly. So our, our primary focus has always been on the physical side of the house. Right. But the, the beauty of the, of the system is that now we have the capability to address threats, risks, and vulnerabilities on both sides of the house by leveraging technology. So I think that one of the areas that we are expanding into is public, which, which is an area where we take an entire nation state and use the technology as, as an avenue for that government to inform their citizens about emerging risks. So it could be something like a weather risk. We do a lot of states in India. We do this, the country of Australia, New Zealand, or the Nordic South American country, and then states in the U.S. The idea there is the public warning side is a little bit different than the corporate side, obviously, right? So different, different motivators for a country than for a company. But at the end of the day, that same mantra holds true, keeping people safe. And in this instance, keeping countries running as opposed to companies running. So, so I think both fit, but that's an area that we've recently expanded into and that we, we just signed the country of Spain as a customer as well. So they're starting to see the value in that by having a Everbridge power their country alerting systems so that they can inform their citizens, which by the way, would make them more resilient, which would attract more business opportunities for the country. So from that point of view, if I go back and I say, okay, prior to 9-11, did the companies not have any systems or were they, were they in a different way of holding? How did it that, you know, they went and you, you went and disrupted that space and basically, you know, took over, I would say, then the, the, the key notification area? So, so there's two things to think about there. Number one was where was technology in 2001? And, and what was the standard operating practice for organizations when it came to mass notification? So I will tell you that you know, in, at 9-11, I was, I was still with the FBI. So it was a watershed moment for our organization as well. But I will tell you this, what, what happened prior to 9-11 is that organizations were using the traditional coal tree, which were, you know, just unbelievably inefficient and, and, and not as effective as they should have been. When you think about that, how do you make sure that that stays up to date? So is it integrated with your HR system? Prior to 9-11, I would say probably not, right? It was just too complicated technology was where it needed to be. So the innovators that created Everbridge use the opportunity to actually think about how we use APIs to integrate HR systems into mass notification systems so that they can keep, keep, keep current. The idea is that you, you want to be able to notify the people that are employees and not waste energy, time, and resources addressing people that are no longer with the company. So part of that is feeding that, that HR system into your mass notification system so that it's continuously updating. And in that way, what we, what we discovered is this is a faster, more effective way to notify employees about potential disruptions to their day in a way that allows them to prepare or respond to an event, either as it's occurring or shortly thereafter. 
So let's take a hypothetical example. A new company comes over on your platform. You know, how do they start? Do they start with a single product? Do they go straight to the platform? You know, take me through the journey of somebody you onboard and then, you know, right at the same time, how do you charge for that, you know, in terms of the basic service and then, you know, if you, if you need to go up upstream? So there are as many starting points as there are companies. So the idea for Everbridge is, is what we don't want to do is to presuppose that we know what the problem is from a customer's perspective. So the first thing we do is active listening. We want to identify the potential pain points that the customer has. So, so maybe it's something as simple as I can't notify my employees in a timely way, or maybe it's I have employees that travel globally and I need to be, make sure that they are safe in transit. So what that means is that each company articulates their challenges and we create a bespoke solution for that customer based on their needs. It's not, this is what we have, take it or leave it, because what Everbridge is not, is, is, is not a vendor. Everbridge is a partner. And the idea here is that we work collaboratively with our customers as partners during long-term relationships. So you're right. Some customers start with a, with a single product initiation because that's what they think they need at the time. What we don't do is try to sell them something that they don't need or they don't think they need. They drive the books, so to speak, right? So what we want to do is we want to sit down and listen effectively and then say to them, it sounds to me like you need threat identification um, to, to identify emerging risks and vulnerabilities. And then you need to be able to visualize that threat through a single pane of glass so that you can actually effectively manage that incident effectively and that you can ensure that your employees are notified in a reasonable amount of time. So normally what happens when we, when we go with a customer, a lot of them start with mass notification because they just don't have that capability and they don't want to fully grow it because the O&M tail associated with technology is too onerous. So, so why would you do that? We are a, a company that is very good in this space, probably the best there is. Sorry, we're biased there. But, but what I mean by that is that we listen to our customers and we'll say, okay, so you need mass notification for 40,000 employees, right? But you don't want them all to get the same message. And that's the beauty of what we can provide to them. Maybe the C-suites need a message. Maybe the crisis response team needs a message. The impact that employees need a message. The customers or suppliers need a message. All of those are going to be different messages that can be sent simultaneously, which allows them to explain the event to all parties associated. One of the biggest challenges we find with organizations is that if they don't control the message, the message controls them. So getting that word out quickly, effectively, and efficiently is how they do that. Now, your board of directors or your C-suite does not need the, the level of granularity that your crisis response team needs, but they still need notification. So by, by allowing multiple streams to go out at one time, you can actually contain the issue and actually put together the message that you want to do. And that, that impacts your brand and reputation, not to mention probably your stock price, right? Because what happens is that the perception is not, oh my God, they don't know what they're doing. The perception is this is a company that is on top of this issue. So we, uh, we, we talk about ransomware because that's all the buzz right now. And it's not so much the ransomware or the cyber attack that hurts companies. It's, it's the response that the company makes. 
right? If they cannot control the way that the message is sent, if they're not transparent, the problem is others will fill in those gaps for them. So having a unified message where different parts of the business communicate with their partners and stakeholders effectively so that they have a harmonious message, that really tamps down that angst. So now as far as pricing, I'm the chief security officer, right? I'm, I am I'm not the sales guy. I apologize, but I'm sure that there is a, a great message on how they do that. I unfortunately am not a, I'm not a finance guy and I'm not a sales guy. So I can't actually tell you how we do that, except that it is a subscription and it is based on the number of users. No, that's a fair point. That, uh, no, no, not a problem at all. All right. So, how has the pandemic changed the landscape, of business itself, and then you know the the market and your business? So, two ways. It, it, obviously, there's, the pandemic was a horrible event. But if there's if there's even a glimmer of light from that pandemic, is that it, it accelerated the acceptance of technology globally. We are so far ahead now than we were in 2019 relative to acceptance of the utilization of technology to solve problems. So what it has done for us is a couple of things. It, it's, it's elevated SaaS as a, a software as a service right across the world because it was a requirement. The idea that companies were no longer physically located in corporate high-rise buildings. I was just with a, with a customer in California this week and they have, instead of 15 locations, they have 87,000 locations because all of their employees are remote. So think about the complexity of that when it comes to communicating with employees, when it comes to addressing threats. So before you could say, we have six locations around the world. These are where our people are. These are our people that are traveling. These are our areas of concern. The pandemic has expanded or opened that aperture to say now we have 86,000 points of interest, that we have people that are working for our company and we need to be able to overlay risk events so that we can inform them because there is an expectation in the duty of care responsibility area by employees that their employers will be taking care of them while they're working for the company. Traditionally, that was in the office setting. Now it's either hybrid or completely remote. That expectation remains. Technology is what allows organizations to effectively protect their employees when they are remote. And so what it's done is, is accelerated the acceptance of geolocation and the overlay of threat information from multiple intelligence sources. So those two things is what is, is manifest during the pandemic. We will probably never go back fully to where we were before the pandemic. So the reality of a, from a resilience perspective has changed. So you've got endpoint security that is very different than it was when everybody was centrally located on the network. You've got, you've got to make sure you've got a strong VPN. You've got to make sure that you do the updates, that you, you have your antivirus software. All of the things that were sort of taken for granted are no longer the same. So what that means is the pandemic has forced change on in the corporate world and organizations that are agile have been able to benefit from that. So Everbridge, as an example, took on the idea that what we already had sort of on the truck, so to speak, was actually, it would apply to this new reality because it is a SaaS solution. It's not something they have to have on-prem because there no longer is an on-prem. On-prem is now the house. 
So geolocating that, overlaying threat information, and then providing alerts to, to employees is actually made simple by the utilization of technology. And that's really what Emigridge does in a nutshell. So as I was doing some background research on the company, I came across the, the CEM platform. Can you give us an up, you know, just a background of what exactly is it? How is that approach different than others in the space? And, and, you know, why do you consider it disruptive? So it's disruptive because it actually provides an end-to-end solution for organizations. So there are, there are a ton of companies out there that do mass notification, or do visualization, or do automation. The difference for us is that we look at a problem from beginning to end, and that is critical event management. So critical event management means different things to different organizations goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's not one size fits all. It's, it's a combination of capabilities put together that result in establishing a resilient posture for an organization. So I'll give you a quick example. I'm a company and, and, and I need to expand my business operations into a different part of the world because there's opportunity there. But before I do that, I need to know what the threat landscape looks like in that geographic region. I need to know from a weather perspective, from a geopolitical perspective, from a crime perspective, from an economic stability perspective. Then is the aggregation and deconfliction of intelligence. We do that. The next piece of that is overlaying that at the city level when you're talking about where do I want to locate my facility. So you do that and then you you, you overlay threat and vulnerability over a geographic region to give yourself an understanding of what the landscape looks like. So now you've identified potential risks and vulnerability. You've visualized them. Let's say that you now establish that company in that region. You, now you have to make sure that you can notify your employees in a timely manner in case something actually does manifest. That same methodology that you used in establishing your location can still be used in maintaining and building resilience in that location. Because threats don't just stop once you've established your business there, they continue to evolve. So threat intelligence is important. We have 25,000 disparate sources that we aggregate and deconflict for customers based on the customer's needs. Okay, so then you take that threat intelligence and you overlay that on your ge- on your geolocated asset capabilities, whether it's residences in some cases, whether it's new businesses, if you're a manufacturing facility, et cetera. You're going to do that. Then you need to be able to automate your response capabilities, push out automated alerting to employees, to customers, to suppliers, to vendors, so that you can accelerate the idea that something is disruptive. By doing that, you're, you're allowing your crisis team to respond to that faster and to recover to revenue more quickly. Now, the last piece of this is, let's say, for example, that you are a multinational and you have 22,000 employees in the air on any given day. So travel risk management becomes a piece of that as well. How do I make sure for my PNRs that I know where my employees are? And then how do I leverage technology for dynamic location services based on cell phone or IP addresses? So it's not a stagnant and location system, it's dynamic. So, so you do that and then, you know, God forbid, but let's just say, for example, that then you need to provide medical services to that employee or you need to evacuate them. Everbridge also has those capabilities. So that's why this is very disruptive. It's not a... You know, it's not a point solution product. It is an end-to-end resilient structure that can be leveraged by entire organizations 
We aim some of the biggest organizations in the world are customers of ours and they're customers because the process works. And it's not just one size fits all. It's not, well, this is what we have. No, we're not going to be able to track your employee. You know, so for example, we, and I hate to talk about products, but we have a product called Safety Connection. And one of the, the features of that is what we call Safety Quarter. So everybody used to be a, a, a seasoned traveler until early 2020, and then nobody was. So it's a perishable skill. So let's say you're sending somebody to a part of the world that they're unfamiliar with, or they're just not a good traveler. And one of the ways to help them is to allow them to activate an application on their phone from Everbridge that tracks them as often as they like from the airport to the hotel. And if they miss a check-in, it automatically notifies their corporate security arrangement, which they can then actually notify them. So it's that comfort is important to travelers who are not used to being outside the U.S. or outside of wherever they are. And that's just one of the features. So it's not just... Hey, we're going to load your PNRs and we're going to say that, geez, you're, you're going to this part of the world. Here's what's happening there. We can actually take that a step further and actually help the employee in the area that they are so that they have a comfort level that's there. There are lots of other capabilities in this technology. And I know that's not why we're here, so I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on that. But, but that gives you an idea of why we are dis a disruptor. It's an end-to-end -end solution. So Tracy, I mean, one of the things I, as I was doing some background work on it last night, thought about it and says, you know, why can't I embed this kind of notification and, you know, alerting system in the operating system of phone, for example, you know, whether it's iOS or Android or, you know, Zoom starts to pull the, build that feature internally or Teams. And in that case, you know, every employee that you have would have that capability. Why is, why is this not such a simple thing that you and I can create on the side? And, and disrupt your company? Well, it, it sounds very simple. There are two issues. Number one, we have a whole team that's working on mobile. Okay, so, so it's not like we haven't thought of that. The second thing is it has to do with culture, trust, and technology. So, so there is, as, you, as I'm sure you're aware, right now a lot, a lot of organizations provide applications that you can put onto your phone. And there is a reluctance by human beings to load applications that allows a company to, to know where they are, which is counterintuitive when you think of what they do on social media, right? It's, so part of it is, part of it's about trust and, and technology without trust will not work. So it, as we continue to evolve as an organization, I will tell you that we are absolutely looking at mobile and I, I just was talking to our CTO the other day and he was showing me a new, a new mobile platform that he's developing straight to me, which is awesome. But part of that is any company that leverages technology understands that technology is only effective because the end user trusts that technology. So part of that is how do we embed trust? We do that by not misusing technology and establishing a reputation as being somebody that actually does, you know, protect people and keep organizations running. So it's, it's an evolutionary process. And just like when you go back to 9-11, the idea of using technology for mass notifications, there was huge resistance to that because it was different and it was new and they didn't understand it. So it's a combination of things. It's internal and external marketing. It's verification that it's not being misused. 
and it's transparency. So I'm not going to tell you that that's not in the future because I think that's, well, first of all, it'd be silly for me to say that. But, but more importantly, I think that if we do not continue to innovate, you're absolutely right. Somebody will assume our disruptor role. We are well aware of that. So one of the things, when you think about innovation, bringing on and travel risk management capability into the company changed the dynamic about how we can continue to disrupt this industry. That's not to say that we are one and done, right? So what we will do and will continue to do and have done over the last 20 years is continue to innovate and look at new technologies and new opportunities because we don't want to be a company that used to be X, right? We want to be the company that enables resilience. And if that means adopting new technology, we have a whole product development team that does this every day. So it's very exciting to be in this space. And it's very exciting to see what's coming next. And, and I'll tell you, the way we do that is by listening to our customers, right? We listen to what is challenging for them and they create that elegant solution that allows them to overcome that challenge which means we continually have to innovate. I will not say that, that it's not something that we're not going to do or that's not going to happen. I will say that we look at every opportunity and make sure that what we bring to the market is brought from a trusted partner. How are companies in different verticals and geographies using your platform differently? You know, can you give us some actual examples of how the use cases of some of that stuff? We would love to get some context around that. Let me start with the company, and obviously we're not going to name companies because that's just completely irresponsible, but I had a company that was having a board meeting in Paris, and it was during the Yellow Vest events, if you remember those, when the protesters were in Paris. What they were able to do was to geolocate and project the, the, the route that the protesters were going to take in real time from their global security operations center, provide that information to the executive protection team on the ground in Paris, evacuate the board from the restaurant about five minutes before the entire front of the restaurant was destroyed by the protesters. That's a real use case that was very effective in protecting very critical members of that organization's board. So, so that's one example that you can use. The other example is we, we had a company that was so, so nobody maintains inventory anymore, right? It's all just-in-time delivery because it's expensive, et cetera. We used to talk about supply chain security. Now we talk about supply chain resilience because of the disruptions. So we were able to use that to demonstrate where in the South China Sea they were going to be typho typhoon activity. And that company was able to redirect their supply chain in order to avoid that and deliver just in time for their stores. The reason that was important is because if they didn't, their competitor would have. Now that was a retail vertical, right? So that, that's kind of a no-brainer when you think about that. We do the same thing for manufacturing. We do it for financial services. And there we do it mostly when we think about disruptions to the business that are based on people resilience. In other words, they can't come to work. They can't, they can't do their job. How are we going to address that? And by identifying potential disruptions, especially in places like New York. So it's very different. In New York, for example, we would look at maybe a three block radius. We're in, I don't know, Wichita, Kansas. It would be several miles, right? So geography matters, density matters. All of those things are built into the system that allow us to provide notifications. Each company 
decides what they want to know about. We, we're, not, we're not so arrogant to say, well, this is what your threats are. I'll give you an example. I was in Australia a couple last month, and one of the local radio stations asked me, so, so what are the major threats facing Australia? And my response is, it would be incredibly presumptuous of me to tell you what your threats are. But I can tell you that there's technology out there that helps you identify and mitigate those. So each individual organization or country decides what's important to them. And then they use filters in the system that can allow them to identify those risks that they feel are important and then to put together mitigation strategies inside of the system. The other thing that we do is we also do something that we call a PSIM solution, which is a physical security integration management system. So it integrates all of your security cameras, your, your access controls in multiple locations. So what that does is that allows you to tell whether or not a door has been breached and whether and what, and it doesn't have to be in the facility where your control center is. Everything integrates together, which allows you to have complete visibility. So the, a lot of companies that take that solution also take the CEM solution. I like to look at it this way. PSIM is, is, is inside looking out and CEM is outside looking in. So that actually, the combination of those two things by customers provides them with that 360-degree protective envelope that ensures they can recover quickly from disruptions by identifying them both internally and externally as they impact their organizations. So Tracy, the, the supply chain part is actually very interesting to me because over the last two years, that has been one of the hottest topics for, you know, either anybody in the hardware world or, you know, food, retail, and you name it. I mean, it's everybody's getting impacted with that. Have you seen greater interest by companies only to, you know, use your products for that kind of work? Or are you developing, you know, more and more capabilities just for supply chain? So I will say that it's actually integrated into everything that is of concern to a company. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a real example. We had a, a deliverer of products for lack of a better term, trying not to, to, to mention specific companies because I think it's irresponsible, but we were able to identify tornadic activity in one at near one of their distribution centers that allowed them to move their product out before schedule, which actually impacted. So the trucks in, in question were, were actually not impacted, which allowed them to not only make their deliveries, but also save the lives of the drivers. So sometimes supply chain security or supply chain resilience is actually also associated with people resilience. So I think you, you by separating the two, you put at risk the organization. Uh, the idea is to look holistically at the company and identify specific challenges and then leverage the technology to help them address those challenges. A fair point. So Tracy, just, you know, sticking to the CEM platform, what can we expect over the next few years, some of the unique things you may be building? So if we if you and I talk again, let's say two years from now, you know, what can I expect as additional capabilities or features on the platform? So a couple of things. Number one is that the platform itself will become even more agile than it is today. The idea that you can leverage mobile technology to identify potential risks and vulnerabilities from your plat from our platform without being confined to a global security operations center. It is a great advantage when you think about the, the travel capability of organizations and the remote nature that work is taking. 
So, so the idea of leveraging technology in that way is huge. We are, as we mentioned before, looking at mobile, straight mobile, which is really important when you think about risk indicators around the world. So when we think about resilience, it would be awesome to be able to pull up on your phone a profile that says, I am in Tokyo, here's the crime index, here's the economic index, here's the weather index, here's a historical relevance about associated with this type of activity so that I can, as soon as I land, Think about that and then geolocating your own capabilities inside of that same mobile device so that suddenly you're a CEO and you arrive there and you could say, okay, this is why, this is what I want to look at from a production capability. This is what I want to look at from supply chain, from security, from a cultural relevance to the company in this geographic region. So I think that to answer your question is those are things that we're looking at, but we're also soliciting from our customer advisory board. Things that are of nature to them, because like I said, we're not a vendor, we're a partner. And partners ask their partners where their challenges are and then create elegant solutions for them. Beautiful. Tracy, I think we are running out of time. I just wanted to see if you have any final words to close this discussion. So I will say this, that the goal of Everbridge is to be the resilience partner of choice. And we do that by earning trust, by the utilization of technology in a way that benefits organizations. Our job is to ensure that people are safe, that organizations are running smoothly, and that we allow them the capability to develop resilience so that they can weather any business disruption. Great. Thanks so much, Tracy. It was fun having you. Look forward to our next discussion.